Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Canadian Politics is Boring! You know what I was thinking, just for shits and giggles, can we try to do the intro in sync simultaneously with one another? Uh, just like I could do a countdown from three to one and then we both say it at the same time. Say what at the same time? Welcome to Canadian Politics is Boring. Okay, ready? And my name is, and with me is, ready? Okay. Three, two, one. You're welcome. listening oh, to. You're, that was welcome. We, okay. We've never once said you're listening to. Okay. <laughs> once. Um, okay, ready? Year of, okay, ready? Three, two, one. Welcome, welcome to, to Canadian, Canadian politics, politics is Boring. boring. My, My name, name is, is Jesse. And I'm Reese. That didn't work. No. You get the gist. Okay. Anyway. Can we try it? Like you do it in a high pitched and I'll do it in a low pitched. Can I do the low pitched one? You do the low pitched I'm going to do sit the Satan voice again. Okay. Because I can do a really nice Batman voice. I'll do Satan, you do Batman. They're just having a day out together. Okay, ready? Shopping. Two, one. Welcome to Canadian politics is boring. And my throat. I can't do the rest. (laughs) Satan. Satan ruins my throat. (laughs) I love that porn. Just another t shirt. Satan ruined my throat. Welcome Um. to Canadian politics is boring. 
Um, <laughs> I'm Jesse. This is Reese. Hello. Hello. I, I am the Reese. You're the Reese. Um, th- this we oh. gotta get the we gotta get the fuck out of the studio soon. So we uh, we're gonna give me like good. thirty seconds of small talk. Uh, what you do? What you, uh, what's stuff, happening? You what's do going stuff. On? Cool. Yeah. Good. Anyway, like, <laughs> um, do you like fighter jets? I uh, they're cool. Yeah, like the seven year old in me likes fighter jets. And I meant that literally. There's an actual seven-year-old inside of my stomach right now. I was going to say, what was that bump on your shoulder? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that keeps moving under your skin. <laughs> um, anyway, um, the Avro Canada CF-105 Arrow is a legendary jet that was built and developed in Canada. I only know as much as I was taught in 60 seconds from a Canadian Heritage Minute about the Avro Arrow, and that was about 15 years ago. So I don't really remember anything other than it was a jet. It was a jet. Um, it was, um, I mean, Canada is known for many things, but making serious military hardware is not necessarily something that springs to mind. No, but our military are known around the world for being exceptionally well-trained. And like and very nice. And very nice. It's yeah, true. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maybe we're not known for building military no, no. equipment, but we are, our military is known for... The personnel, military. the expertise of the personnel is, yeah. is respected globally. But obviously... Apparently, there's no- apparently we constantly win war games, which is kind of fantastic. That's great. Really hilarious. It's because, I, do you know what, though? I think it's because... There's a, uh, a sense of um, calm. And if you're in those situations, like if you're doing mm. war games, it's so easy to get emotionally high, like hyper and up there. But Canadians tend to be quite calm and chilled. So I think they just think clearly. That's, That's it. my That's guess. That's got to be it. That's my guess. <laughs> but Or they're just good. They're just good. No, I like the fact that they're chilled. They're chilled yeah. and good. Chilled military. Chilled and good. Yeah, chilled and good. So uh, Avro Canada was uh, a Canadian aircraft manufacturing company that started in 1945. Basically, it was an aircraft plant that was just building um, and maintaining British designs and American designs during World War II, but became its own company. And within 13 years, was the third largest company in Canada, one of the top 100 companies in the world, wow. and employed over 50,000 people. When was this? Which was the 1950s and to 60s. Roughly. Wow. Is Avro was the name of the company? Avro, yes. Yeah, but like there's no... Like, so it was at the t- in the 50s, it was the third largest company in all of Canada. And today, no one's heard of it. Uh, well, I think some people have, just you haven't. Well, is it... St- <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you didn't know how sen- the Senate worked, so I don't know. I don't know, you know. Who the fuck knows how the Senate works? Well, <laughs> I didn't until I researched right, the episode. Exactly, yeah, yeah. People who listen to this show do. Right. Well, well they know how much to get paid and how many free emails they get. So... <laughs> Uh, what happened was the in the post Second World War period, uh, the Soviet Union. Can was, you say that a little, it's a little sexier, a little more sultry. In the post, that's, um, <laughs> that's your sexy voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the the Soviet Union. I just see you wearing knee high socks while. <laughs> it's very sensual that voice. Yes. Anyway, um, the <laughs> so the Soviet Union developed a, a fleet capable of. Uh, sending long-range bombers with the ability to deliver nuclear weapons across North America and Europe. Um, and the main threat was principally from high-speed, high-altitude bombing runs uh, travel that would travel over the Arctic um, across um, uh, basically the north of Canada, down over the industrial centers of Canada and the United States. Um, and so the... Who was shooting these missiles? No, they weren't missiles. These were high-altitude, high-speed bombers that would drop nuclear bombs from... Oh, bomb, from like way bombing place. Yeah, and like bomb, from way okay. up high. So that was and they big, would sneak in over the Arctic and then through over Canada Over the Canada, States. but drop the bomb from so high that they were very hard to detect and, you know, hard to attack. So That's so, interesting. I was, I was learning something about that just last night about how in World War II, two 
um, they were trying, they, they realized like, oh, if we want to win this, then strategic bombing is, would be like an incredibly powerful tool in our, in our arsenal. If like to know exactly like with math and science, like, oh, we just go incredibly high up, but we figured out like precisely where to drop the bomb so that it doesn't just blanket cover an area. It's like, no, we want to get that warehouse. We want to get this district, yeah, et, cetera, yeah, yeah. et cetera. And, and like the math was kind of there, but they didn't account for the chaotic winds at that yeah. level of the atmosphere. And so it just did completely failed. That's, that's like, just a, it's a great little, idea. tidbit of information. That I we forgot about night. wind. We forgot about wind. wind. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a, a giant room full of like mathematical geniuses and they do all the equations and go, this will work. And then somebody goes, does anyone think about wind? <laughs> you're like, fuck, <laughs> let's just try it anyway. Um, Did anyone forget about wind? Yeah. Shut your face, Steve. No one asked you. Making this look bad, Steve, you dick. Um, so uh, uh, Western countries began to build interceptors, which were basically high speed, high altitude jets okay. that could intercept, as the name would suggest. R- but what would they, so, how, would they, they, how would they intercept? What would they do? Then they would fly up there and shoot the shit out of them. Okay. That's, like, that's how I would define intercepting in that context. <laughs> um, so uh, Canada had been building and maintaining generally allied designs, but they decided to build their own interceptor. Um, dun, dun, dun. So the Royal Canadian Air Force, um, they the first jet they built was the Avro CF-100 Canuck all-weather interceptor. The Canuck? The all-weather interceptor, which is like, it's waterproof and windproof. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem lovely. with a lot of Canadians' jets is they <laughs> leak a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever it rains. Oh, God. Uh, so they, the, the, the thing about this jet was that they created their own jet engine from scratch that was different from a lot of the jet engines that anybody else was using. So Canada was just why? like... Why? They just like, oh, I mean, a- cool, but why? i got to build a jet engine my way. Because- <laughs> um, and so so Rolls-Royce and General Electric were the people making jet engines. But Avro, okay. they had this this gas turbine division, and they... But I, I don't understand the science of it, but essentially what they built was... You're, the- you're telling me that you're not a rocket scientist? I'm not. I'm literally not a rocket scientist. Um, <laughs> but it, the, the science says it was good. Um, <laughs> just to summarise. just as I don't want to go into too high level for people. Did they remember about wind? They remembered about wind. Oh, good. Okay. Um, and it was among the fastest of all the first generation fighters built at that time. Oh, wow. Really? So Canada's way of doing the, the engine um, were... The engine was one of the greatest success of it was the fact that they just built a really bloody good engine but not like what about the structure of the airplane itself i thought like how the the wings were so i'll show you a picture it looks pretty cool i, I remember it yeah there you oh, go. no i don't remember that so it looks it's different got, than it lo- the av this isn't the avro airplane we're talking no 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 about. the avro no, yeah. this is this was the predecessor to the avro. okay all right um and it was uh it would it, it would take off with a, it had a very short takeoff run which was good because it could. It was more. It didn't need a very. You know, we could take off in uh, more diverse places and a high climb rate. So as an interceptor, it could take off and then go up to the at- upper atmosphere very directly. Oh, cool! So it was very oh, yeah, fast. That's pretty neat. Um, and in uh, on the 18th of December 1952, Squadron Leader uh, Janusz Zarowski, uh, the Avro Company Chief Development Test Pilot, took it up uh, to Mach 1.10 uh, at a dive. Mach. 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 Um, uh, pronounce it or spell it? Uh, M-A-C-H. Yeah, Mark. 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 Oh, I think it's Mac. Mac, I see. Okay. Anyway. Well, anyway, it went fast. And in a dive, he did a, a dive from 45,000 foot 
making it the first uh, straight-wing jet aircraft to achieve supersonic uh, controlled supersonic flight. Wow. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's pretty neat. Um, and it was really good. They sold... Belgium bought some. Oh, that's all you need to know. That's okay. Um, <laughs> end of episode. <laughs> the end. Belgian bought some. So that, that was the CF-100. But then uh, they basically, recognizing... The, so there were a lot of delays building it. It was really good, but all the other stuff came into it. Like, they were t- it, it was there was a lot of... Um, it's a complicated thing to build. So they were... The technology basically started to um, change and the Soviets would advance in their technology at such a fast rate that um, some newer jet-powered bombers were built that made the CF-100 arguably ineffective against the uh, supersonic bombers or the high-speed bombers that were being built. So uh, by the time the Canuck was finished, it was kind of almost not going to be able to keep up with the German German, the Russian bombers. So wrong war. Um, so, so they came up with the CF-105, the famous one. and The arrow. The arrow. Uh, the arrow, yeah. And the arrow was a delta wing aircraft, which is basically uh, like a triangle shape. Oh, right. Okay. So you can see now. There's yeah, a picture of one. Yeah, that's right. It, it yeah, looks yeah. like it's, some... It's it's you, giant, it, looks have, like, it looks like a paper airplane. Did you have Thunderbirds? It does look like a... Do you have Thunderbirds in Canada? Yeah, yeah. it looks like something from Thunderbirds, but it does also look like an airplane. Like a giant paper airplane. It really does. But the Delta Wing is like um, the... the, the the delta wing essentially is is it's like benefits to it being high speed and it's built like that shape for a reason so does it have two names the arrow and the delta wing or no the delta wing is the name of the design of aircraft that are triangle shaped so, oh i see it's okay. so like it's the same of i think the british had a vulcan bomber that would be a delta wing okay it's huge um so the product the go-ahead on production was given in 1955 for the new improved version um and the company planned to capitalize on the event of the launch of the arrow um, they had 13,000 guests there to launch it. But... Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. The same day, uh, Sputnik was announced. Oh, of course. So there we go. Yeah, that's, the, there it is. So <laughs> completely stole the thunder <laughs> of this amazing jet. Which has got to be frustrating. When yeah. you spent all that time, you're going, we've built one of the most advanced uh, advanced fighter jets in the world with a very small team in, in, um, in Canada. And then uh, this... You know this uh, this thing that no one could have comprehended or thought of suddenly appears in space. Right? Yay! That's, yeah, that's just shitty timing, man. Yeah. Like really shitty timing. <laughs> so uh, the first the the uh, Zorowski, the, uh, the the test pilot flew the new one in 1958, um, and the, the the test flights of the 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 prototype were kind of assessing flight characteristics and looking for serious design faults. The aircraft went supersonic on its third flight. On the seven, seventh flight, it broke 1,000 miles per hour, or 1,600 kilometers an hour, at 50,000 feet while climbing, um, and a top speed of Mark, as you would say, or Mac, as everybody else says. No. 1.98 <laughs> was achieved. And apparently that wasn't even the limits of his performance. They weren't pushing it to his maximum capacity oh, wow. because it were just testing the prototype looking for faults. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, hold on. What? Put, you go up there until that thing fails. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I find is amazing. So um, apparently uh, the, the comments about it was um, it was improved. Um, it was effective at rolling. Uh, there was uh, excellent progress was being made and it was performing and meeting all guarantees. So basically the, the report was that it was, it was awesome and it did everything they needed to. And it would be able to keep up with those new jet fighters, um, jet bombers. And So what happened? 
It's not around anymore. <laughs> this is where the politics comes in. Yeah, I was wondering. I literally just wondering. Um, but our show deviates so much; it wasn't really. A I know. So, so um, is is it was it was argued as it was definitely one of the most advanced fighters of the 1950s. Yeah, and one of the most successful kind of like development programs in terms of building it. Um, but. In 1953, senior Canadian military officials began to question the program uh, because uh, they were strongly opposed because substantial funds were being diverted to the Air Force to develop this one fighter jet. So a lot of the military budget was going into making this thing. It was great, but right. it wasn't necessarily sustainable given the overall budget across the rest of the military. It's one of the world's most efficient and effective jets the world has ever seen, and Canada not really being a huge military uh, stronghold or not stronghold military presence in the world. Oh, I they said that, like it, fuck that, scrap it. Well, and and, and it's, like, it's like me signing a lease on a, a five year lease on a Rolls Royce. You know, it, it it'll look good, it'd be fun to drive, it'd be comfortable, but I can't afford it. You know, <laughs> it's, just, it's just reality, I guess. I mean, but um, so Defen Baker became prime minister, and or just uh, sell them to the states. Well, they were building their own, and it's political. Yeah, but ours, was, ours was better. But they needed to employ their own teams to build their own. You know, there's the industrial military complex of the United States that is big business. They weren't going to. Right. They were going to build their own American planes. They weren't going to import Canadian planes. Um, they're not like Belgium. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, Thank you, Belgium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Stephen Baker, who was a progressive conservative, basically came in complaining about rampant liberal spending on fighter jets. Um, <laughs> rampant liberal spending. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, those wacky liberals. But, but by 1958, um, Avro had interests in rolling stock, steel, coal, electronics, and actually owned was a parent company of 39 different companies. So they grew oh, wow. massively. Um, but again, though, um, the technology moved on again really fast in the Cold War. And uh, these new things called uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles or right. ICBMs yeah. became fashionable. They were all the rage. Fashionable. Yep. Yeah, people were wearing them down <laughs> Carnaby Street in London. Um, uh, so, uh, and obviously, not even a not even the Arrow could do anything against those missiles. Right. So there was a new NORAD was set up, and uh, Diefenbaker was invited by the Americans to be part of NORAD. The, what the, is NORAD again? The North American Air Defense. So it was like a, a defense shield against ballistic missiles that would basically monitor the skies for incoming missiles. Holy hell, it's time for a special announcement. <laughs> uh, uh. Call it North American Air Defense. Air defense. So just NAD? It should be NAD, but it's called NORAD. I don't know what that's mean. North. So I know. Air defense. Nor. Our. Air defense. Our NORAD. The air. It should be NAD. NAD should means NAD. testicle in the UK. Oh, my NADs. Yeah, it means it here too. Does it? Yeah. It should be. That's probably why they tried Transatlantic it. NAD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so essentially. That's um, a well-traveled NAD. Yeah. But by signing to be part of NORAD. That was going to take up... Call them what they are. Call, to become part of NADs, space NADs, um, was going to be... So basically, to be part of a giant missile defense system mm-hmm. costs a lot of money. And if you want to buy in and play with the Americans, you got, you got to put your hand in your pocket. And that was going and to take play up, with your NADs. Play with your yeah, NADs. Yeah. Put your hand in your pocket. Grab your NADs and hope for the best. <laughs> so... Um, 25 to 30% of the budget was going to be spent on NADs, which meant... <laughs> which meant... On the 20th of February, 1959, 
the a day became known as Black Friday in the Canadian aviation industry. That's where everything went on sale. You can buy uh, jets for super cheap. And Stephen Baker claimed the decision was based on a thorough examination of threats and defense measures and the cost of defensive systems. And instantly, 14,528 Avro employees, as well as 15,000 other employees in the supply chain, were, were basically out of work instantly. Fun. Uh, and two months after the project cancellation, all aircraft, engines, production tooling, and technical data were scrapped and destroyed. Oh, wow. Um, officially, the reason given the destruction order was the, to destroy classified and secret materials in the Arrow program. Um, and uh, they were worried that a that spies were stealing, were going to get hold of that information if it was scrapped. So oh, they destroyed, if it wasn't scrapped, you mean? Yeah. If it wasn't scrapped. So they destroyed everything. Wow. All this amazing technology, they just, rather than sell it to Belgium... And you know Belgium will buy it. Yeah, they love they they love it. They yeah. love it. That's um, amazing. Um, oh my god! But also, uh, apparently, war is weird. Uh, only certain parts remain. So there's uh, uh, there's a bit of nose gear. There's two outer panels. There's some wings that are on display in the Canadian Avi- the Canada Aviation and Space Museum in Ottawa, where I want to go. One of the engines as well, apparently, or part of the engine. And rumors circling. We should have a road trip. Rumours circulated that the Air Marshal W.A. Curtis, uh, who was a World War I ace, so he was like flying the original ones, um, had ignored Diefenbaker and stolen one of the arrows and preserved it. Oh, really? Yeah, that was, this, still is has the, one? this is the rumour. Um, and they asked him in an interview in 1968 if the rumour was true, and he said, I don't want to answer that. <laughs> Um, if, if it we is know what exist- that means. Yeah, if it is in existence, we may have to wait another 10 years. Politically, it causes a lot of trouble. So the legend endures about whether this arrow still exists or not. Oh, we should. Which we I should. love. That's, which, a fantastic. that's like a, a mystery. Like, help us, help us solve the arrow. Let's Where is go the on arrow? a road trip, and that'll be, like, our goal is to find the arrow. Exactly. Oh, my God. That's a great, that's a great idea and for also, an episode. Also, January the 6th, 2020, which is roughly less than a year ago, um, the C- CBC News announced that the Arrow's plans, which were thought to have been destroyed, were actually kept by one of the senior draftsmen, a guy called Ken Barnes in 1959. Yeah, I would do the same fucking thing. If, I, if I built the Arrow exactly. and someone's like, you know, spies might get that, you better burn that. Oh, yes, yes, sir, right right away. He, apparently yeah, he quietly just, took the blueprints home where they remained yeah. stored. Do you know what I would have done? I would have loudly took them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking it. <laughs> um, and they, they're now on display. Um, oh really? I think in the Diefenbaker Canada so Center can in the University of the Arrow, which I'm assuming would not be. Let's do it, but let's do it like paper craft. Let's make it up. like you said. It looked like a paper airplane. Yeah. Let's make the follow his plans and build the arrow out of paper. Out of paper. Out of paper. Yeah, yeah, that that doesn't sound hard at all. It That's... won't be all. It won't be all weather like the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> if it rains, we'll be dead. So, <laughs> I I once flew. I once did a documentary show at a uh, our military airbase in the UK, and they ha- it was a fighter jet school. I didn't get to go up in a fighter jet, but I did get to sit in a real fighter jet and pull, go and go, I'm sat in a fighter jet and then get out again like a five year old. Um, but um, I did, did you enjoy it? Did you have I fun? Did, I did get to go into this. Did you get your photo taken? I did get. My, I got several photos taken. Um, and uh, I did think I went if I pulled the ejector seat, I would get smushed against that ceiling because <laughs> we were in a hangar, right? <laughs> but, but you thought about it, didn't you? Did. You wanted I to. Think everybody does. Yeah, right. If you're in a fighter jet, you always go. I wonder if I could pull they the ejector. Probably ejector disconnected seat. that just exactly. a little. Yeah, because some schmuck <laughs> is at some point like, <laughs> remember me. 
<laughs> but one thing I did get to do was fly a a probably would have been the value I'm trying to do the, the rough uh, currency exchange a twenty million dollar flight simulator with a real Whoa. with a real cockpit with like a three sixty dome we were in and you had to wear the helmet and you were sat in there and all the console was laid out and essentially I then had, got to play in that for an hour and fly that sounds fly. Fun. A, uh, a, a the equivalent in a in a virtual thing, which is like you know when people have race car games on their video game systems and they buy pedals and steering wheels, yeah, yeah, it's like that but on steroids. Oh, that's cool! I would like fun. to do that. That sounds good. That sounds neat. And because it wasn't real, you could do really irresponsible things like crash or I flew under a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Zero consequences. <laughs> it's a slogan for our podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that was uh, that was one of the fun experiences and the really funny thing was they have cameras in there because yeah. if pilots are training their superiors will come in and there's like a control room where you can watch them and they play the videos back and i have never seen a bigger grin on my face <laughs> <laughs> again like a five-year-old <laughs> just, just sat there smiling like an idiot in, in a simulator i want to see these do you have a video of this I have to I dig it out. I'll yeah? see if I can find okay, some yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, yeah, There's yeah. tons of pictures of me, like with a thumbs up. I want to put it on a website if you do find it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, that was, that was a that was a crazy week at the airbase. <laughs> Reese's crazy week at the airbase, <laughs> chapter one. <laughs> and that, but that uh, weirdly, I got to make films with uh, all training situations, not real things. I was I filmed with the Navy on a warship, and wow. I was, and also. Um, with the army in the training area where um, they train the infantry, and that was cold and uh, I, I cold was and borderline dead. delirious by the end of the. But it was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Why were you borderline delirious? Because we were out living in the in the forest for three days. Hold on, what? Let's just back this train up a little bit. <laughs> okay, tell me this story. So it was it was simulated war games with the infantry. Okay, hold on. You were doing a documentary. Yeah, TV show. Okay, and and it was about. I was the producer and sound man because we were a small crew and we had to keep up with these, with people training and the presenter was training to be in the military and they would like hike miles and miles and then sleep an hour. And um, so th- what they were doing was putting a lot of pressure on the infantrymen to make them feel tired and stressed and then testing them. Oh, that's just super fun. Uh, but we had to film them be tested. So we had to uh. follow them the whole time. So while they were getting, going to sleep and waking so you were, up. So you were experiencing the same amount of exhaustion then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Fil- but we had to film them experience it. So you were we- sleeping while they were sleeping. Oh, you were filming them sleeping. I remember um, uh, Ethan, who was the co-director and cameraman, he fell asleep. We had sleeping bags and I woke up and uh, there was snow on my face and he fell asleep with his hand outside the sleeping bag and it took him three days to get his hands warm. <laughs> Oh my god! What? It was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part was they gave us boxes of I love army rations. They gave us army rations, like British army rations, and it was in every box had They're enough. Pretty food. tasty, aren't they? Yeah, they had enough food for twenty four hours, and it was great. I loved them, and we took a few boxes back with them. And I used to eat them for lunch. <laughs> 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 enough about my experience hanging out with people who are way better trained than me and more impressive while well, I run around with a boom pole. But <laughs> so.
It was, that was pretty fascinating, honestly. I didn't. Uh, I learned quite a bit, honestly. And I, I never come into these episodes expecting to learn a thing. Let's face it. Great. Honestly, yeah. So if you want to help us build the world's <laughs> most dangerous paper airplane, send us an email. So uh, is, do you have anything else to teach me on this? No, that's it. We're, d- we're done. We're done. So the- I, I hope we find the missing plane. And if oh we don't, God, we should want, build another one. I want, I want to do a road trip where we try to find the missing plane. I think yeah. it'd be a great, great episode. Indiana yeah. Jones and the quest for the missing plane. Yeah. That's taken. For, so our our takeaway, our, our call to action today, we've done Instagram a lot. Um, I think I think we should take a break from telling people to go to Instagram or our website or T-shirts. So tonight, my suggestion is for as soon as this podcast is over, uh, it's it's a long winter, it's dark, it's cold, everyone there you know, wolves after you, uh, you should do 15 jumping jacks. That's, or do something for you. Light some candles, oh, have a bath. Um, light some candles, do some jumping jacks, have a bath. Watch a zombie film. There you go. Whatever you do to relax. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> zombie films are very relaxing. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. Candles, some incense. I like those. Have some good. cookies. I like those ones. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen people who, they love a film, just, they. I love that genre. Even if the films are terrible, they just love the genre so much. They sure. literally watch anything. I like zombie films a lot, actually. Yeah, even yeah. if they're bad, just watch them. It's fine. It's better than the real world. So tonight so. is about you, listener. It's yeah. all about you. The call to action is you. Yeah. It's, let, um, us know, let us know what you did for your you day. Yeah. But if you did yeah. put a rink in your backyard, keep it to yourself. <laughs> We'll see you next week. Had to bring that back, didn't you? (laughs) Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. 
If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there.